the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of Eye on Real Estate, sponsored by Hempleaf. We won't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dottie Herman. Welcome to Ion Real Estate, which, as you know, when it comes to real estate, it's a universal language. Everybody wants to know about it. There's something going on every minute of the day, and, we're, and it affects everything we do. And so we're glad to share it with you. And if I uh, miss saying happy Saturday, happy Saturday, uh, please tune into the show live every Saturday. At AM 970theanswer.com or AM 970theanswer mobile. You can get it on iHeartRadio. You can get it on iTunes. And don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Just hit in Dottie Herman. And uh, I have an exciting newsletter that if you'd like to, uh, it's free. Please go to www.dottieherman.com for exciting news and latest information. And, of course, Stephen and I always want to know anything that you're interested in. So if there's a topic or something that you would like to know about, and it, by all means, uh, you, know, you can send it to us, and we'll make sure we get to it on the air. And if not on the air, we'll answer you personally. If you have any questions and you want to uh, call us live, by all means, we love hearing from you. Call us at 866-970-9622. And even if we can't get to you on the air, we'll always answer your questions. My co-host for the first hour of the show is Stephen Ebert, a partner at the prestigious firm Casson & Casson, located in Westchester. And by the way, uh, when it comes to a real estate attorney, that's who I use. I think he's the best. I think his law firm is the best. And I tell you, when it comes to real estate, I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again. Don't use just any attorney that does five million different things. Use somebody who specializes in real estate. For most people, it's their largest investments. And a little, little, just a little dot that, of a mistake or something that somebody might not know if they're not, if they're not a real estate attorney could cost you a lot of money. So make sure you use a real estate attorney. At 10.30 today, we're going to have Pete Nelson, and he is the star of the Animal Planet series, Treehouse Masters, founder of Nelson's Treehouse and Supply, and the author of six books on the art and science of treehouse building. And uh, he's on TV. You're going to love him. He has created hundreds of treehouses. And you know what? 
As a little kid, I loved tree houses. I mean, there wasn't that many to go to, but we used to try to find them or make them. And uh, he has them for kids and adults. I'm sure you love them too. And at 11 o'clock, we're going to have Carrie Gold, who has a written weekly column about real estate for Canadians, for, for the Canada's biggest national newspaper, The Globe. And she has been covering that since 2007. And right now there is a, uh, a ban in Canada. Canada has banned any foreigners from buying real estate in Canada for two years. Um, that's because they feel that, that their prices are out of control and they're too high and that the people feel that the reason that is is because foreigners are jacking the prices up. Um, they are probably in the same shape we are with a limited supply. Okay, um, I'm not sure I think that that's the answer. Uh, we'll see what you think, but Carrie is an expert on that, and she's going to talk about what, you know, what Canada's proposing and why they're doing it, and uh, then we'll all have to decide whether we think it's going to work or not. I, for one, don't. But in any event, she's a great guest to have, and you're going to not want to miss her. There is an affordable pricing, you know, problem, and it's in Canada also. So you're not going to want to miss that. I want to tell you that uh, I'm really happy that the Brooklyn Tower, it's the first super tall in the borough of Brooklyn, uh, is, is welcoming its first occupants, and it's hitting the market. And developer JDS Development has enlisted Adam Spies and Douglas Harmon, and they're kind of rainmakers, uh, who uh, left Cushman and Wakefield for Newmark last month, and they are marketing the tower for sale at a valuation, valuation of more than $600 million. Uh, the 93-story building is located in Brooklyn and has 398 luxury rental units and 130 uh, square feet of retail space. And this is a biggie. The property also has 143 residential condominium units that aren't included in the listing uh, per Green Street. So this is a biggie. We're going to keep, keep, keep you informed on that because uh, that's the, I, I think that's probably the biggest tower. And in Brooklyn, just 13 multifamilies have sold for over $500 million in New York City history, according to the Green Street data. So this would make Brooklyn's tower listing uh, a temperature test for large deals in the city in a high interest rate environment, but one where investors are looking to swap office holdings for multifamily properties. And again, because people are working out of the office now, uh, and I don't know how long that'll be for. I don't know if that's forever. I kind of think it's going to be a forever thing where there's some combination of office and uh, working at home. Uh, but he is on this, and you're going to want to keep on hearing about it because this is a biggie. It's probably one of the biggest deals. Um, the I iconic Flatiron building is to be auctioned off this month. The owners of one New York City's most recognizable buildings might finally end a long-running dis dispute later this month. And I don't know if you know this, but the Flatiron building 
which is an iconic 22-story office tower that was the first Manhattan skyscraper north of 14th Street is heading to auction on March 22nd, according to court documents. A judge judge approved a partition sale of the building in January after three of the owners, JFP Real Estate, ABS Real Estate Partners, and Sergency Group, which collectively owns 75% of the property, filed the suit against the other partial owner, attorney Nathan Silverstein. A New York judge issued a ruling earlier this week setting the auction date and determining that the uh, Mannion owner, the auction owner, Matthew Mannion, will preside over the sale, and owners can use their stake in the property located at 175 Fifth Avenue as part of their bid. Now, the reason we're having that they're doing this partition sale is the latest attempt to resolve disputes among the real, the three real estate owners and Silverstein that began in 2017. Um, so, I guess. They've been trying to resolve this suit for many years, and since they can't resolve it, I guess the judge decided, hey, you know what? You can't resolve it, guys. Well, then let's just put it up for auction, and that's how we'll resolve it. We'll, you'll, we'll sell it, and then it'll be resolved. So that's the latest on, on, on those things. Steve, have you heard anything about that recently? Well, I'll tell you, Daddy, there's been so much news um, going on in the real estate world and the finance world. Um, we'd be remiss if there weren't a few uh, other topics coming up uh, to cover. Um, you know, one thing I know we're not going to have enough time before we have uh, Pete Nelson on. But one thing I do want to talk about um, after that, uh, after that guest, is some of the tax items that were put in the proposed budget for next year that could impact real estate. But I think the big news uh, to talk about right now is what's going on with the banking sector and how that's affecting cryptocurrency and financing and commercial real estate. Um, very, very important. Uh, for, for everyone who's been watching uh, the news, you could see three banks that have been listed in the news in the last two business days or so. Um, you've seen Silvergate Capital, Silicon Valley Bank, and Signature Bank. Uh, Signature Bank is a New York-based bank. Silicon Valley uh, Bank is based, as it sounds, in Silicon Valley in California. And then you have Silvergate. And I think we need to talk about what's going on there because there's a lot of information. This definitely has an impact on the banking sector. But at the same time, this is very, very different and not nearly the same Um, concern that we had back in 2008. So taking a step back in 2008, for people to remember, we had financial contagion where banks made all sorts of uh, loans. Loans were bad, a lot of risky investments. And if you remember the collapse of Lehman Brothers, um, and it was really a scary time for the banking sector and financial markets. And to the point where the financial markets in some sectors could have completely dried up and it would have affected corporations locally and globally. And you had the federal government make a massive intervention. If you remember, we had something called TARP. They were really financing and in some cases even taking an ownership stake in banks. Certain banks disappeared. The government had certain banks merge and they really pushed that in that era. 
What we're seeing today is something very, very different. It's instead of systemic risk, and the banks are much more well capitalized today than they were 15 years ago, we are seeing specific risk cases. And I want to talk about how this can affect the economy. And also, very, very important, people need to understand how their deposits at the bank for their checking accounts are protected, and in some cases where the risk lies. So Silvergate Capital was truly a crypto lender, a cryptocurrency bank. And basically, the sector has been battered a few different ways. One, what we've seen is that the Federal Reserve has gone in increasing rates, right, to counter inflation. But what's happened is that has had a very negative impact on the cryptocurrency market, on people investing there. And in fact, the value of cryptocurrencies as a sector has, in the recent period, really dropped from $3 trillion valuation to about a $1 trillion valuation. So really, now, Steve, a two-thirds drop. I remember yeah. that maybe it was a year, I'm not sure, not sure of my timing, but maybe it was a year, year and a half ago, you were against that to begin with when everybody was so gun-ho. Well, that, yeah, I mean, what happens is, you know, it's a very simple approach on things. You look at where's the source of the value. And by the way, there are some value elements to it, particularly the technology behind it. But the question is, what's the real value behind it? What's being produced? Is there a government behind it? What other assets are behind it? And it's really all based on confidence, right? You have, I mean, I hate to say this, but you have things out there, they call them confidence schemes. And I'm not saying it's a scheme, but it's all based on do people believe it's a something? And they have to put in other assets to pump that up. And, you know, there was a lot of excitement. People like new things and stuff like that. But the reality is what was really behind it. And so all of a sudden now, after a certain point, the enthusiasm wears off. Maybe the shininess dulls a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you know, the reality is starting to set in as a sector. And, um, and then on top of that, Dottie, is that right now the U.S. government is in the middle of doing research, and we talked about this. In the fall, there's expected to be a white paper, which is a high-level report and analysis, on should we introduce a digital U.S. dollar. And it gets to the point where if we do have a U.S. dollar that's digital, why do we need a private digital token that says their value derives because people are willing to give private companies dollars to then have this other surrogate? Why not get the real thing instead of a surrogate? Do you know, so I'm not I think sure. Yeah, look, I'm not sure everybody really understands that at all. I mean, you know, you heard a lot of publicity about it and uh, for the last oh, year and a half, two years. And I'm not sure really a lot of people really understood it completely. Okay, there was a lot of hype. Um, maybe like in layman's word, like just... Just what's the benefit of all of that? What, what, what did they deem would be the benefit of that? Well, I think what they tried to do is remove an intermediary, right? Num one comment number one is 
one of the things that costs in the business costs is the more intermediaries you have to have, everybody's got to get their VIG, their, their profit margin, right. right? So if you could streamline the process, you could reduce transaction costs. So if you think about it for a second, one of the things that we've seen very interesting during inflationary periods now, have you noticed five years ago, if you paid by credit card, the stores didn't really charge you more. Have you noticed in the last year or so, a lot of stores are saying if you want to pay by credit card, that you're going to pay 3.5% more than if you pay by cash? Have you Absolutely. noticed that happening a lot more? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. So, you know what, people, you know, it's interesting. You know, you don't think of society as a laboratory, but right now we're in an interesting laboratory moment, right? Because there's been inflation, businesses' margins have been squeezed. Well, if you're a business and you're trying to limit how much you raise prices on your customers, where you're going to look for to try to squeeze out someone else. And you're going to say, look, I'm not raising prices, but my margins are so tight, so you pay the credit card fee instead of me. You pay the merchant processing fee. And that's what businesses are doing as a means to not raise prices, although what's happening, unfortunately, Dottie, is both. The prices have gone up, and they're passing along these credit card merchant processing fees. But one of the th concepts is if we can create a digital dollar, which I think eventually will happen, and this is a longer separate conversation, we got to do it the right way because it could be really very negative if it's done wrong. Um, the idea is streamlining costs, right? If you think about it, when you have MasterCard, Visa, American Express, Diners Club, Discover, you pick your payment processing system, Zelle, Venmo, there is a vendor providing a service. And they got to get paid somehow, otherwise they won't exist. So if we could create some sort of tokenized digital currency system, we are effectively challenging some of the payment processing systems, and that would reduce transaction costs. So that's the debate that's going on, even though I think it's not being quite discussed that way. And this is where companies are repositioning themselves. They're all trying to figure out how do, for example, credit card companies become something different? Um, and, and, you know, the irony is they may become more like the old American Express. Remember how American Express used to be a charge card, not a credit card? Yes. And, I, yeah, a and, long and, time ago, but yes. Yeah, for a, lot, for a long time, American Express, and just for our listeners, because some people are like, well, what's the difference? You know, a charge card, you have to pay off in full each month. While a credit card, you could actually pay it off over time and you pay interest, right? So American Express was really more of an acceptance model, a convenience, not carrying cash, a, a sign of status. Um, you know, the question is, what is it providing? Is it a merchant processing system? Is it an access to points and getting those concert tickets you can't get, maybe some premium element to it? Um, and also, is it just a matter of not carrying cash around, or do you actually need money fronted to you, right? When you have a credit card, you have access to capital that you don't have in your pocket necessarily. So there's eventually going to be, I think, a debate on payment systems and borrowing and how do private versus this public digital dollar um, all interplay with each other. But, Dottie, I know we're coming up to a break. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more on the banking system and FDIC coverage for your deposit accounts to show and understand that people are protected because that's absolutely critical that your savings yeah. are protected at the bank. You're going to hear a lot of things, and so Steve is the expert, so you need to really listen to this.
so you know what's going on. And I do remember when a credit card, when, when American Express, you had to pay off that month. It, it wasn't a, you couldn't get money on it. That was a while back. I almost forgot about that. We'll be right back. You don't want to miss this part of the show. It's really informative, and you need to know about it. We'll be right back, and Steve will continue the conversation. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consumer Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE. And your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. Mike Lindell and MyPillow are launching the new MyPillow 2.0 with a special buy one, get one free offer. The MyPillow 2.0 offers a brand new temperature regulating technology that keeps you comfortable throughout the night. The new fabric dissipates heat and humidity to create a cooling sensation to maintain a, a cooler surface temperature. MyPillow knows core body temperature plays a big role in how well you sleep. The new fabric technology helps regulate your body temperature throughout the night by creating a lower surface temperature for a more restful night's sleep. Machine washable and dryable with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee and made in the USA. Just go to the radio listeners page at MyPillow.com, use the promo code AM970 or call 800-651-0798 800-651-0798 Don't miss this incredible opportunity to buy one, get one free on the new MyPillow 2.0 800 Oh, seven, nine, eight. This is Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman and host of Ion Real Estate on AM 970, The Answer. Listen, I just discovered a new line of skincare products that I have to tell you about. I've tried many products that have been on the market for many years. So that's why I'm so excited about Hemp Leaf. The Vanilla Passion Skin Cream is soft and the scent is calming. The feel of my skin, well, it's just amazing. It's not at all greasy, and I can feel my skin perking up as soon as I put it on. The black soap, while it may look less than inviting, was the most amazing surprise. It's smooth and creamy and makes my skin feel very soft and hydrated. I'm really looking forward to trying the rest of the product line and sharing my thoughts with you. I would never put anything on my body that I wouldn't put in it. Visit them at www.hempleaf.com. That's www.h-e-m-p-l-i-e-f.com. In the words, Dottie, at the checkout, you'll receive a 10% discount. So make sure to try it. I'm telling you, it's great. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. 
That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, call SelectQuote at 1-800-940-6161. That's 1-800-940-6161. Or go to SelectQuote.com. That's 1-800-940-6161. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at selectquote.com slash commercials. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back and we're in the middle of Stephen talking about um, things that you should know about the bank and how you're protected and how you won't lose your money. So you want to continue, Steve? Yes, yeah, so let me shift to that. And But before we're done today, I do want to go back to what's going on with those banks and why what happened happened and why it's different than 15 years ago and things to keep in mind. About 90 years ago, after we had the run on banks, after the Roaring Twenties and the Great Depression, we created the FDIC. It's a federal government agency, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And this is designed to give confidence to and protect people who have accounts at the bank. And the idea behind it was that if a bank fails up to a certain dollar amount, the federal government will pay back people in their checking accounts, their savings accounts, um, some of their retirement investment accounts. They will be covered. In the 90 years that the FDIC has been around, every bank failure that has happened, to the extent your account is within the limits, the FDIC has always paid people 100%. So as long as you navigate that properly, you are not going to have any losses. Now, keep in mind, and we'll talk about it, some of the people in Silicon Bank, you're going to hear, Silicon Valley Bank, excuse me, you're going to hear some of the stories where they had you know, a million dollars, $5 million in the bank, they're not good. Those people are not going to get all their money back. But right now in the law, each single deposit holder is protected up to a quarter million dollars. So whether I have a checking account, a savings account, I mix the two up in my name, the first quarter million dollars, the FDIC will ensure will cover in the event of a bank failure. Now, if you're a married couple, you're two people. You can get a half million. Each person gets their own 250000 Now, this is per depositor, per institution. So, Dottie, imagine you're in a situation, and let's say you're a single person, just to keep the numbers simple, right. and you have a million dollars. If you want to be 100% protected, what you can do is you can put 250000 each in four different banks. Because the way the rules work is the dollar amount is per depositor, per institution. So if you mix it up, the FDIC will cover you 100%. Now, what's also interesting, Dottie, 
and they just announced that they'll have new rules effective next year in 2024, is what happens if you own a bank account and trust, right? It's very common that people have a trust, right? They'll say, you know, this person has an entrust for their child. There's right. all different ways. Or even you have a trust document, right? Let's say, Dottie, let's say you have the Dottie Herman family trust and you had different beneficiaries and so forth. Um, you can get more than a quarter million. Now, I remember when I was in law school, this is true story, remember this. I was talking to my parents and there was a friend who had money invested in a bank and they bought the most conservative investment, a certificate of deposit, a CD. Right. And what a CD is, is when you give the bank a loan, you put your money in, the bank says we'll pay this interest rate, it can be three months, six months, 12 months, a couple of years, five years, don't pay that rate. There was a one bank branch, I'll never forget this, called FNB, First National Bank Keystone in West Virginia. And it turned out they were paying the best rates in the country. So they got all these financial advisors to put money in, and they did that to grow all their deposits. Well, it turns out the bank was owned by this husband and wife who were crazy. The FBI raided their house. They had hundreds of guns at the compound. They owned the local Harley-Davidson dealership. Everyone knew them in town. They'd go up and down Main Street wow. riding their motorcycles, and that's who ran the bank, right? Just imagine that. And this couple had about 350000 at the bank and literally in the CD. And literally, their, their 350000 CD, which is important for their retirement, dropped to 100000 one day all of a sudden. So how did we lose a quarter million dollars overnight in one of the most conservative investments out there? Well, because the FDIC insurance coverage for your account is the same for a CD, and the bank failed. So they were telling me the story, and I said, look, I'm a law student. Let me see what I can do. They're like, nobody could do anything. They went to a couple of different attorneys. I said, let me just on my time. Turns out they owned the account in a trust, and it was two parents and two kids. So, Daddy, how many people do you get if you have two parents and two kids? How many people do we have? If you have two parents four. and two yeah, four. We have four. So back then the limit was 100000 for insurance. Now it's a quarter million. So four times 100000 is 400000 and they had about 350000 in the account. And so I did a whole analysis and sent it to the FDIC, and I said, you owe them a quarter million dollars. They should be covered for the full 350 because under the rules for a trust, you get to multiply. It's not one depositor, it's four. And as a law student, on their behalf, I, got, I convinced the FDIC to pay him back every penny. So, Daddy, I want to point out for our listeners, if you have done estate planning and you own your account, and remember, when you're doing estate planning, it's not just that you update those papers with the attorney. You need to retitle the bank accounts to match if you're doing that as part of your plan. But because that client um, retitled the, the accounts into the name of the trust instead of in their name, we were able to get them 100% coverage, and they didn't lose that quarter million dollars. And that law still is in effect. Trusts and revocable and irrevocable trusts can be used to hold bank accounts. You can get a multiplier effect. With the new rules coming out next year, 
you can have a limit of coverage. Instead of being at a quarter million, Dottie, you can be up to, I believe, one and a quarter million. So you can get an additional, potentially, obviously depends on how it's written and what's going on, but you can get about a million extra in insurance coverage if you have your banking assets, your CDs, in a tr- trust at the bank. And that that's could, be, could, say, could change your entire retirement. And again, most people who are in the banks, they have a very conservative investment profile. They're not trying to take risks. So very important. That is really important to know. Um, so do you think that people, um, so then basically you're saying that people should not have to worry? Well, if as long as you stay within the coverage limits, the FDIC has always paid in the 90 years it's been around, they've always paid 100%. The risk is if you have your account balances over the limit. So, for example, if you're an individual and you have a bank account at Silicon Valley Bank and you have $300,000 in it, the first 250000 no problem, the FDIC will cover you. But that 50000 that's over, the bank failed. You're probably going to, not 100%, but you're probably going to lose that money. What's going to happen is now you have to go through the bank process. The bank is going to go through winding up its affairs, and they're going to list their assets and liabilities. And so there's a story in the news right now of a startup CEO because Silicon Valley Bank, by the way, the bank's been around about 40 years. This is not a bank that opened up last week, 40 years. And that bank, by the way, for people who are interested, they're one of the most important banks in lending to startups and venture capital, high tech. They were very, they're a very important bank. And they're CEOs of these startups who built these companies from scratch. They have ten, one, this lady, she has $10 million at the bank and she can't touch any of her money. That $10 million might drop to a quarter million overnight. Now, how does someone protect themselves? Or, like, what should they know? I mean, you know, it's even like myself. You talk to your investment advisor, you talk to your your accountant, um, and they give you recommendations. And many people, you know, go with what they say. Like, what should people know before making these decisions? I think, Dottie, it's a great question. I think we're about to come up to a short break. And we can definitely go through some of these things. And remember to keep in mind, and this is what's very important because a lot of people get confused by it, is an investment with a bank versus, let's say, an investment like a stock or a bond or other what we call securities. They are treated differently, and it's something we should definitely get into after the break. I think that's really very important because I don't think most people know that. And... um You know, you ask an advisor and every advisor isn't of the same caliber and sometimes it's somebody's guess. I mean, sometimes there's no certainty to anything. You kind of have to take a, you gotta have to take a good, you know. How long does it take to tackle a home project? With Angie, you could cross it off your list before this ad is over. Just tell us what you need. Indoor, outdoor, repair, or redesign. And we handle the rest, sending a top pro to get it done. 
You don't have to lift a finger, except to tap the screen or click the mouse. Plus, Angie is free to use. So bring us your next home project, and we'll bring it home. Download the app or go to Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com to get started. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Local Business Owner, do you get calls from multiple digital marketing firms trying to sell you the quick fix to your marketing challenges? Maybe you've bought the latest tactic that some hotshot sold you and you're wondering where your results are. The problem is you know you need to market your business, but trusting a partner, well, that's been a challenge. Our solution for many local business owners is through our digital marketing solutions, Salem Surround. Salem Surround is unique because we're based on the same guiding principles that Salem Media is. We actually care about our clients and we're accountable to our results. The same care that we deliver our radio content to you is the same we do with all our digital marketing services. So reach out to us at SalemSurround.com today and we'll consult with you about your individual needs and create a customized plan to actually do what you need your investment to do. That's SalemSurround.com, a full-service digital marketing solution for your business. AM 970, The Answer is bringing Dr. Lederman's expertise in alternative cancer treatments to prime time every Monday night at 7. Dr. Lederman is triple board certified in radiation oncology, medical oncology, and internal medicine, and is the first physician to perform non-invasive body radiosurgery in the Western Hemisphere. On an outpatient basis, no hospitals, no cutting, no bleeding. Radiosurgery takes minutes, is painless, non-invasive, and usually very well tolerated. Join Dr. Lederman Monday night at 7 on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, it's Mike Gallagher inviting you to join me for a remarkable travel opportunity that will change your life forever. Dennis Prager and I are headed back to the Holy Land, Israel, this October. It's the Stand with Israel Tour. Join us along with our trusted partner, Inspiration Cruises and Tours. We'll take you to key sites in the Holy Land, thoughtfully designed to give you unprecedented access to a region you've likely only read about. Visit StandWithIsraelTour.com and get all the details. We'll uncover important geopolitical locations and show you Israel's significance on the world stage, past, present, and future. Step foot on the ancient streets of Jerusalem. We'll sail the Sea of Galilee, pray at the Western Wall, and so much more. We'll have guides for our group, lavish food, and luxurious accommodations. No other trip will be like this one. Come with Dennis and me this October. Register today. Call 855-565-5519. 855-565-5519. Or go to StandWithIsraelTour.com. StandWithIsraelTour.com. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that thinking about helmets with faces on them. I should get a new helmet. Maybe I'll get one of those ones that looks like a face with painted teeth and eyebrows, you know? Oh, that always looks so cool. People are like, whoa, is that a person with two faces? Oh, no, it's a helmet. And one face. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back and Stephen's been talking about banks and what's going on with some of the banks and if you're protected of course we know that uh, the second biggest bank collapse in the U.S. history happened in just 48 hours and uh, 
That company's downward spiral began late Wednesday when it surprised investors with news that it needed to raise $2.25 billion to shore up its balance sheet. And of course, there was a stereo-induced and so all customers withdrew, customers started withdrawing money. Um, they withdrew $42 billion in deposits by the end of Thursday, uh, according to California's regulatory system uh, filings. And now those who remain with SVB face an uncertain timeline for receiving their money. How does that all happen? Well, Dottie, let me, uh, I'll say this. The story happened going back a number, about, I would say, maybe a year ago or so. And the interesting thing is, and, 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 and I also, let me take one other step back also. My personal belief is our banking system is in very good shape overall. And what you don't want to do is take one or two examples and then cast that across the whole industry. So I just want to make sure. So, so people should be aware of that. But this bank was a little bit unique. And generally for a long time, you know, I'd say it's also, you know, has an excellent reputation. A lot of big names, people had accounts there. But what happened was really, I think, a couple of, a couple of things happened because it was a little bit of a specialty bank. Remember how I said before, Dottie, a lot of their custom. in just yes, very specific areas, right? A lot of high tech, a lot of startups. So now let's, they were doing, I think, fine into COVID and let's talk about what's happened since then. Well, Dottie, we've talked a lot on this show about how the Federal Reserve has increased interest rates, right? Yes. Okay. Number two, there has been a decrease in the number of IPOs, initial public offerings that have been out there where companies, you, you hear about the startups and all of a sudden they make it big and now they're on the stock market and, and getting bigger and publicly traded, right? So what happened was the bank's balance sheet went a little haywire, a little bit out of whack. And what the bank did um, a couple of years ago, a, a actually a move that seemed relatively conservative, was that they bought a number of treasuries. They had money coming in, right? And the thing is, Banks need to make money off your money, right? If you deposit money in the bank, the, the cash doesn't sit in a cubbyhole and then they come back and hear your bills back. How do you think they pay for the salaries and the branches and so forth? They got to lend the money. They got to make the money work. And so what happened was they were doing well and they had a good number of deposits coming in and the money couldn't just sit there. So they invested it in a lot of U.S. treasuries. Now, that's a very straight conservative investment. The money didn't go anywhere, but here's the issue. They invested over a little bit of a long-term horizon. So the money wasn't so liquid. And what I mean by so liquid is that it's not like they lost the money, but what happened is they needed time for that investment to sit. And if they needed to take the money out immediately because people wanted money back, because investments weren't going, there was less business for IPOs and other things, then what happened was, because the Federal Reserve was increasing rates, the, the interest rates paid on U.S. Treasury started going up. So, Dottie, I'll ask this question to make it simple. Which is worth more money, 
a treasury bond that pays you 2% interest or one that pays you 5% interest? Uh, right? The one that well, pays you 5, right? The one that pays you, you 5%. You would think that pays you, you 5. You would think that. I yep. mean, you know, if you had a choice, you'd say, I'd rather take the 5 than the 2. Exactly. Exactly. So what happened was they bought it, and I'm just filling in numbers to be illustrative here. They bought those treasuries at 2%. And now because they needed more liquidity, more money in their balance sheet, when they looked around, they saw that treasuries were selling for 5%. So they had to sell their 2% treasuries for less money. Because if somebody said to you, hey, market is this interest rate, and the ones, and so if you have the ones that pay a lower rate, you pay them less money so you can match the interest rate return earned. So what happened is, SVB had to sell these bonds for billions of dollars less than the face value to match up the interest rate because rates went higher so much because of all the rate increases. And then all of a sudden, they needed to raise money. They put more shares on the market to try to raise capital. And people said, what's going on here? All of a sudden, this very stable bank needs billions here and billions there. I think they're in trouble. I'm going to pull out my money. And then all of a sudden, I pull out my money. And then the next week, Dottie, you, me, and 10 of our friends all meet up for dinner. Hey, by the way, I'm just curious. Any of you guys bank over there? Oh, yeah, we all do. We're all tech startups and this and that. I don't know. I read this in the news, and they're doing this. I pulled out my money. It doesn't make sense. Oh, well, if he pulled out his money, maybe I should. And then all of a sudden, more and more people start pulling out their money and they get in this death spiral, and then all of a sudden, people are pulling money. And the banks, when they make loans to businesses, to real estate, it's a multi-year process. So while the investments might be good, they need time to marinate and to cook. And if all of a sudden, what happens if you spend all this time prepping a chicken recipe, and you put it in the oven and you take it out one minute later, as opposed to letting it cook for an hour, you're going to get food poisoning, right? It's not going to work. you got to let it cook. And that's what happened to SVB. All of a sudden, there was a rush on the bank because they were concerned things were going on, some rumors, some true, um, and that the bank might be in a problem. And that created the problem because to convert these long-term investments into short-term capital, you have to sell them at a loss, a.k.a. it's like a fire sale at a bank. And that's what happened to them. That's what happened to SVB. So, like, I'm sure if you're a listener, including myself, you you start to wonder. Okay, this was a, a this wasn't a like a little low little startup bank. This was a credible bank. So, like, I think questions that people would be thinking, at least I am, is, hey, how do you? I mean. In life, there's always uncertainties, okay? There's, but I think people, when they put money in the bank, feel fairly safe, <laughs> even though they might not get their returns that they would get in the stock market or elsewhere. They feel like a bank is pretty safe. Like, now, I guess people will have to rethink that. I'm reading about this bank, and I honestly have to tell you, I don't know much about the bank itself. I, I don't have money there, thank goodness. Uh, but it said that they invested basically uh, 
they were like too concentrated and they weren't diversified enough basically uh, they said well, they that they show the risk of banks concentrating in one area well that's exactly it i mean they were very concentrated geographically business wise customer base and that was a key part of it and look Dottie, it costs money to a business to keep working capital right you think about it, if you're running a business and you have petty cash because you have employees that, let's say, do business and they run to the store and get something, right? All of a sudden, it turns out that the, a small business, oh, we're at a photocopy paper, I can't wait for a shipment. You know, here's 50 bucks, go get some cases of paper and bring it back. You need to have that money ready. Could you imagine if a small business and employee said, hey, you know, boss, we're at, we're at a paper, do we have any money? No, I spent our money. We got plenty of money all saved up. But we have no working capital. I can't give you $50 for paper. The crisis of confidence that would happen. They can't afford copy paper. That means they can't pay my salaries. They won't be able to pay the rent. I'm going to quit. And then all of a sudden, if the employee quits, then they can't fulfill the orders. And the customers say, well, if they can't pay their people and fulfill the orders, I got to find another company. And all of a sudden, you could imagine, and this is an extreme example, not having the $50 working capital could force could collapse a business because of rumor and effect and, and people jumping to conclusions. And that could happen. So it's very important for any business, and banks are a business, right? And that they have to have the right kind of capital ratios and reserves on the side. And that's important for any individual bank and the whole banking sector, which is why the Federal Reserve exactly monitors the banks. They're there and they work with the banks. They're constantly auditing banks to see what's going on. And since 2008, after the system was set up with TARP, there's really a much greater focus on stress testing banks to say, well, wait a minute, let's see what happens if all of a sudden there's a run on the bank. And one of the things that is going to come out in the news over the next few months, they're going to say, in this era after 2008, where we're stress testing banks, why wasn't this picked up until the end? And that's going to be a very big question that government's going to look into. Why SVB and went but, down this way? And why now, is it a surprise? Steve, I'm sure you don't really, I mean, no one has the exact answer for this. But now that, that sudden collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, well, there's thousands of tech startups that now they're probably wondering, you know, how do they get their money out and, and how do they get, are they going to get their deposits out and, and what money they have in there? And more importantly, until this is all straightened out, how are they going to play, pay their employees? Isn't it kind of a snowball effect? Absolutely. I mean, this is where you could, and this is how you could have a perfect business. Imagine if I had a tech startup, right? right? And let's say I had investors, I had employees, things are doing great, we're starting to grow. I got some seed money from venture capitalists, right. and we just had an operating account at the bank. Not thinking about it, I'm focused on my business, right? This is a bank, been around 40 years, we just have our money in there, and all of a sudden that's frozen. All of a sudden, now the ripple effect of this bank, because they had their issues, could totally take down another business that otherwise has no issues. 
Exactly. Um, and then what's going to and and so this is where you know we talk about the multiplier effect and velocity. If you know these economic terms, you know you, it can go two different ways, right? You can have it in growth mode where things are really expanding, expanding, and then it can go in a negative way where it, it's a also hyper contraction on it. So this is where you want to isolate it immediately, right? It's, you know, I almost hate to say it's like a, like a pandemic, right? What you want to do is immediately want to close it off, isolate it, and then try to treat that. And this is definitely where there's going to be conversations. And again, this is where businesses, you know, you know, I know sometimes people say oh, it's not part of the core mission of the business, but this is why you have lawyers and accountants and chief financial officers to exactly make sure that your capital is protected and you have it um, mixed around just in case. Very, very important. I know, but for the average person like myself, you know, when you put money in a bank, you you don't really, I, I mean, I don't think about it going bankrupt or, or something like this happening. So maybe a good, I know it's coming to the end of the hour, but maybe a good topic is because um, even though, you know, this could alarm a lot of people, like how do you know or what do you look for? Um, and again, one of the things was that this bank was heavily invested in just very few things. It wasn't like diversified, maybe enough. Um but I think it's a really good question to, to you know, to really for people to like understand. I mean, it, it kind of floored me when I heard about it. I was like, oh my god, I, I never thought well, of you know. The simplest, the simplest thing somebody can do is know the limits. You're protected. An individual is protected up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars per person per bank. So if let's say. I keep $400,000 in my checking and savings account. And by the way, it's not 250 for a checking and 250 for a savings. The, the, the FDIC will aggregate them together. Okay? But if you have 400000 in checking in general, savings and so forth, then put it in two banks if you're concerned. Put 200000 in Bank A and 200000 in Bank B, and you don't have to worry about it. Right? There are yeah, different but- strategies that are out there. And obviously, everyone's in different situations, um, and, and, and that's really important. But before this commercial break, I think what we should say, and we can continue this next week, but you should call up your uh, accountant and, uh, or whoever your financial advisor is if you have more than the limits in any one bank, okay? And I'm not going to give financial advice, but... You should definitely, if you have a lot of money in just one bank, maybe uh, double check with your uh, financial advisor on if that's a wise decision. Steve, you're always the wealth of knowledge, and we'll continue this because we had so much more to talk about, but time just goes quickly. Uh, it, we're going to be back. It does so much, and, and we'll talk also more about how this affects you know, mortgage lending, too, in the future. Oh, yes. We'll see you next week. You See you next week. And look, we're going to talk about Canada's ban on having foreign buyers. The preceding hour of programming paid for by DTHY Realty Incorporated. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.